Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast, and I am here on an early morning, um, November 3rd, 2016. You guys know how I feel about this. I mean, it was just January two weeks ago. Anyway, I'm here for a podcast before I take a much needed break. I feel like I have been running on all cylinders for way too long. And so this is the eve of my vacation. Um, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited because I'm more excited to just put my out of office email on for a moment because I need it. A couple of quick announcements before I get into this podcast. I picked four questions, um, which I think will cover a span of different things. You know, there's always some career, there's some relationship. And the very last question is a question to me, which I absolutely don't mind um, about handling success and all that stuff. So it's always nice to answer that question and even to keep answering it again over the years because my answer has changed over the years. Um, So that part is cool. So I'll answer that. Um, The website is mytaughtyou.com, M-Y-taughtyou.com. And you can also go to myleek.com. It links to the same thing, M-Y-L-E-I-K. I finally shipped my 2017 journal. I really love doing these journals every year. Um, So the first one was learn more to earn more. 2015, learn more to earn more. 2016, this is my year. 2017 is the hustle journal. And so you know, these don't have specific dates. So there is no sort of if I got last year's, will it work? These The plan is that these will work for the rest of your life. Um, so those are in the store. Those are shipping now. Um, if you pre-ordered them, we ship them. Um, they're, I'm sure they're going to sell out. And you guys do this to me every time I buy these you gobble them and then I'm going to order some more. Um, I ordered some more, but I don't, I, I, I'm trying to determine just one more order, um, before the holidays so that everybody's all set for 2017. I'm starving by the way. I have no idea why. Um, all right, let's get to it. First question. uh, Oh, 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 the website is not the website, the email. So if you want to send me your questions, my long form email address is just my taught you at gmail.com. So I have the ask FM. If that's too short and you want to send me, um, something longer, you can email me at my taught you at gmail.com. All right, let's get started. Question one, seeing something through to completion is an important part of being successful. I find myself starting businesses, side hustles, and corporate jobs and quitting shortly afterward. My resume is filled with short stints at jobs in different fields. I'm afraid of not being successful and committing my time to the wrong business or career. How do you stay committed and follow through with the venture in the face of uncertainty? Um, I don't know how old you are, but if I had to guess, I'd say that you're young and I'd say um, under 50. And for my older listeners who are over 50, I'm only saying that cause I'm not 50 yet. So don't, don't beat me up. Um, I have like, I thought about this in two different ways. Um, the thing about being a young person, um, and starting a ton of things is that you're finding out what you like and don't like, uh, which is usually done by trial and error. So you tried it, you found that you don't like it. 
Um, so you're going to move on to something else. And so I always want to make sure that I say that, um, even when I have people that come through and work with me, I say that like, sometimes you may have really believed that working with me or working on one of the brands, it was your all time, like life goal. And then you get there and you realize, um, that it wasn't because, uh, my good friend, Amy, who was on the last podcast, she says, people have to understand the difference between a brand and a company. And a lot of times we are fascinated by a brand, but we don't really understand um, the inner workings of of an actual company. So that could be something that you're learning. Um, The other side of this is that if you're afraid that you're choosing the wrong thing, um, so maybe when it gets hard or you can't see the end, you jump shit because you're chasing an outcome versus a process. And I picked that up when you said completion is an important part of being successful. I don't know that per se, but I feel like you're chasing this success. And then the main thing that stuck out was when you said, I'm afraid of not being successful. Um, you are not going to become successful chasing an outcome. Uh, whenever I get an idea based on your question, so I'll read the questions, little, little things stick out to me. And then I get like, I get a a heartbeat or a pulse in the question. And so all of a sudden the, all the words are sort of like, they're unnecessary. And basically what I, what I get from this question is that you are chasing an outcome. And so I started you know, I start to do some research on things like attachment, um, attachment to outcomes, right? So I, I read up on a gentleman who had a desperate need to accomplish something um, in life and be recognized by the world for it, right? And how accomplishing something external, doing something that everyone can see, we believe will validate us as a person. Um, and we feel like we need that because at the stage that we are now, that's not enough. Um, and I I can totally tell you that I completely relate to that. You know, it's like, I understand wanting people to recognize you for what you do, but there has to be a part of you, um, most of you that is okay with that not happening. So that the question that you have to ask yourself right now is what do you want your life to stand for, right? What do you want it to stand for? And sometimes I do interviews and people say, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? And that's not important to me. I, it it comes down to what I want my life to stand for. And for me, um, I want my life to stand for sort of purpose purpose and progress, if you will, meaning that I want to be purposed in the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm doing. I want the things that I'm doing to help people. And when I say people, I think it's not hard to tell that most of my things are geared toward women of color. Like Curlbox is a passion project for me where I get to um, display with our cover images every month. I get to display diversity in in black beauty right because I think some people a lot of companies they will show 
an African-American model and it's there's one version of beauty. And what I love being able to do is to show various shades, styles of beauty amongst us as women. So that's something that I stand for. I do this podcast. I do my site. I do the journals because I want to be purposed in that. I grew up in Inglewood, California. I, you know, I'm not saying that it's the roughest, but I understand what it's like to not grow up with privilege. Um, I also feel like I know what it takes to have the things that you want. And so this podcast, the journals, the things that I do are to speak, speak to that person. And I, I have learned that in speaking to that person, I'm speaking to a lot of other people that we, you know, the hand that we were dealt does not determine the outcome of our life. So that's what I stand for. So what do you stand for? And you have to let go of expectations and waiting for the win. Like, when is it going to be my moment? Right. It's like, I felt like I had my moment when I got the first job that I wanted. And Oftentimes, you know, when we start comparing ourselves, we start wanting to have other people's moment versus being fine with the moments that we're having. You know, the moments that we're having are fine. We're waiting for this big break. You've already, when you may have already gotten it, you may have already gotten the big break of getting your foot in the door, getting a job, working with, it may not even be your boss is the person that's influencing you heavily. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's someone, um, Maybe it's just someone who could be the janitor. There is some, you know, there you have been put in a position to collide um, with someone or an opportunity that provides you access, exposure, experiences, right? So we have to stop waiting on our big break. Um, so while I was doing my research, I I found something that I want to share with you um, that I, you know, that while I while I may not have necessarily articulated it, articulated it this way, um, it is really sort of how I live my life. So I have it in red and it's, um, I'm going to read it to you. Attachment, worry, frustration. These things don't exist in nature. Things unfold as they are supposed to in nature. Sometimes the rain comes, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes one storm can change the course of a million lives in just a few minutes. A river runs its course based on the lay of the land. When it meets an obstacle, it doesn't fight with it. It simply goes around it eventually. How long it takes is of little consequence. After some six million years or so, it might carve something as magnificent as the Grand Canyon. Nobody's watching the clock in nature. A tree is happy wherever it grows. It doesn't secretly wish to sprout legs and run off to some other more happening part of the forest. In Buddhism, they call this patient acceptance. So I said all that to say that don't be worried about the outcome, you know, sort of just like flow, flow with it. You go with it. Um, I have had people ask me all the time, what will happen if this doesn't work out? Or if your company fails, I'm not worried about the outcome. Um, I'm just living my life and I'm just living my life purposed and with progress. I hope that helps. And you guys know, I got my, um, I got my coffee and I got some lemon water this morning. 
Um, I didn't have much coffee left and I decided one cup would be enough because I'm going on vacation and who wants to OD on caffeine before they go on vacation? Not me. Okay. Next question is a relationship question. Um, let's get into it. My leak, I was having a discussion with my best friend in regards to compromising versus settling. I think I'm having a hard time distinguishing between the two when it comes to relationships Some background. Her husband, she and her husband have been married for 15 years. She is ambitious and successful, but her recurring complaint is how he lacks ambition. Personally, this is a deal breaker for me and she knows this and I feel deep inside she feels the same way as I do. Over the years, she has tried to push him to do more career-wise and he has been very resistant to that. But recently, she explained that she had a discussion with him about his lack of ambition and wanting him to do more with his career. He has told her he is content being where he is um, and that he has no desire to want to do more because where he is at is considered a great place considering his upbringing and culture. He doesn't love it, but he's comfortable. She said once he explained that to her, she decided to let him be himself and not change him. As I mentioned before, she is a (laughs) go-getter. So when I asked, does she feel like he is holding her back? She shockingly said, no, but I don't believe her. I can see it in her face that she was trying to not only convince me, but herself that there are no problems. She has accomplished a lot, but I feel like he is holding her back and that she does not want to end the relationship because of how it will look. She is very much into appearances and trying to live up to the cookie cutter life society usually expects of us women. So I said all that to ask, do you think her recently accepting him the way he is after 15 years of marriage is her compromising or settling? Also, I'm trying to distinguish what compromising really is because in my eyes, they are two of the same. I understand small compromises such as being supportive of each other's hobbies interests but when it comes to compromising values and I believe staying with someone who lacks ambition when you're overly ambitious is compromising a value then that's when it's time to move on what are your thoughts all right I have some thoughts some thoughts some thoughts uh and I said, I'm sure you're probably not going to like this, but that is okay. <laughs> That's okay. I say my answer and you still write me and you still listen. So I'm just going to believe that you really want my advice or my opinion. Um, I talked to my dad recently about these podcasts and he said, my leak, he's listened to a couple and he said, I don't think you are really telling people what to do. You are basically just tuning people into their own voice, right? You are, you're reading their things and you're getting, you are helping them hear their voice. So I'm, I'm believing my dad. So answer, I feel like I'm in the middle of a friend argument and you're calling me to validate your point of view because mine, based on what you know about me and listening to this podcast, my personality, um, would closely align to yours and voila you win the argument there are no winners here um I'd answer the question about what I think about her relationship but I'm not because she didn't write me you did so I'm gonna talk to you because you said you think you are having a hard time distinguishing between the two when it comes to relationships between compromising versus settling um I think compromises are things that are personal 
to you as an individual. So everybody's compromises are going to look different based on who they are, right? Um, there may, you know, you compromise on some things that you may not necessarily like, uh, but if it's a part of someone's just general makeup, then you're fine with it. So what are some compromises for me in a relationship? Compromises are things like vacation locations, right? You know, or where, you know, choices and dinners or um, where you're going for the holiday or how you're spending certain things. Um, compromise, I would prefer to work <laughs> most of my life, but, you know, stopping at this time or that time because you want to spend time with someone or a lot trying to align with their schedule. Uh, a clearer breakdown would just be, you know, if we had to make it simple or make it plain, wants versus needs. Compromise versus settling, wants versus needs. Um, and it took me a long time to figure out what my needs were. And I think that I'll go out on a limb and say many people in younger relationships and younger relationships, I mean, like just being a young person, 20s, 30s, and so on, um, we constantly mix the two up, right? We con we are constantly mixing up our wants and our needs. And um, I ended my last relationship because I had the things I wanted, um, but I did not have the things that I needed. And the things that I wanted was on somebody, you know, he was cute, he was available, he was employed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it was nothing that I needed. Romance, um, just being absolutely interesting. Um, someone that was not only capable of supporting me, but knew exactly how without my prompting. Like, those were the things that I needed that I don't even think I knew I needed. And I, and I know a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in this whole power couple BS um, that society sort of shoves down your throat or even pop culture, you know, J and B, so and so and so and so. Um, but I don't, everybody doesn't need that. And this just popped in my mind. It's like, you look at Oprah Winfrey and Stedman and I'm not gonna take that deep dive, but I think that when somebody is extremely ambitious and highly powerful um, to that magnitude, maybe you don't necessarily need um, that, that kind of relationship, I don't even know if you can call it balance. Like when you start to think about true balance, um, wherever someone is more there, wherever there's more on one side of the scale, that other person brings a different more. And I think a lot of times we get obsessed with trying to match our mores, right? Am I making sense? Meaning just because you're highly ambitious and you're highly achieving, sometimes that's not a balance all the time, right? Um, I put no pressure on my current partner to achieve professionally, none whatsoever, um, because it's not my place, it's not my business, and I don't want anyone doing that to me because while I may be successful to you, I'm not compared to a whole bunch of other folks out there. Um, I don't know why LeBron James was in my dream last night, but we were like, LeBron James and I were talking <laughs> and we are not on the same level, you know? And it's like, when I say we were talking, not like talking romantically, we were just having like a business conversation. And you have to remember that there's always an upper beyond where you are. So you are, 
you know, you're saying your friend is very successful and I'm assuming you think you are very successful, but there is very successful beyond you guys. Um, so what if the person that you were like, put the shoe on the other foot? What if the person that you were with was pressuring you? What if I was with a LeBron James type person and they're now pressuring me to be even more successful and considering where I'm from, I'm doing pretty damn good. You know what I mean? So I think that that's something that you have to think about. Like I'm, I am not all that when you consider the upper of where I am. Um, so I have it by notes, I guess this is a long winded way of me saying, worry about yourself. Um, I remain focused on myself and my own ambitions. Um, I'm never measuring my accomplishments against anyone else's because they are mine and mine alone. I'd encourage you to widen the narrow view you have of relationships. And as I was working on this answer, I realized you answered the question yourself. You said, but when it comes to compromising values, and I believe staying with someone who lacks ambition when you are overly, I believe staying with someone who lacks ambition when you are overly ambitious is compromising a value. Um, it's a compromise. You said it. It's a compromise. It's a want. It's not a need. So stop projecting your stuff onto your friend. Even though you guys may be alike, you are not the same person. Let her live. And if she wants to live, if she wants to leave, dude, give her room to vent to you and come to the conclusion on her own with your support all the while because that is what a best friend does. Okay. Alrighty. Moving on. This one was good because I like this question. I liked it when I read it. And I was like, okay, I need to answer this because I know that a lot of people may feel this way and I really need to really need to get this together. Hi, my leak. I'm a huge fan of yours. I am a May 14th Taurus, so I feel like we automatically vibe. Okay, my birthday's May 15th for those of you that don't know. Recently, you posted an Instagram post about eliminating distractions and mentioned in it were copycats. I tend to be a leader, a trailblazer, an overachiever, super competitive, always happy to go first. You get what I'm saying? Oftentimes people tell me I'm an inspiration or gave them courage or motivation to do something because they saw I was able to do it first. All these things I'm proud of usually, but occasionally I can't help but get frustrated by the copycats of the world. I'll give you an example. Recently, I made the big move from LA to New York City for graduate school all by myself no friends, no family, no one pushing or pulling. It was a great opportunity. So I took it, which has been incredible for me and my personal growth. I'm happier and healthier than I've ever been. However, very shortly after my move, a few of my girlfriends came to visit, which I was grateful for. But I just want to put a little asterisk. When you say but after things, it cancels anything you said before. So which I was grateful for, but were you really? Okay. Once they came to visit and saw how fab New York is and how happy I was there, they decided they wanted to move too. These are both friends I've had since elementary school. When I went to high school with, we worked at the same job, blah, 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 drive the same car. So needless to say, our ties run deep. Both admit I was the catalyst that prompted their sudden excitement about moving across the country, but I can't help but feel a little frustrated, like having them here might stunt my growth or somehow take away from my experience in a new city. This was the time for me to break away. Obviously, I want to be a good friend and be supportive of my friends taking advantage of opportunities and moving out of their comfort zones as well, but maybe just not where I am. I would love to tell them, pick a different city, 
but I don't feel like it's my place. It's not. You and I both know that. May 14th, Taurus. Also, um, while I'm happy they look to me for inspiration, it always makes me wonder where, you know, when do I get my inspiration from them? Um, I don't necessarily always want to be the leader, you know? It's that whole, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room thing. So I guess my question is, how do you stop the copycatting from bothering you? How do you create space from people that want to do everything you do? Do you address it? I want to know if you've ever had the same feelings or what are your general thoughts? Thanks for everything you do. Thank you for listening. All right. So, hey, girl. Um, my general thoughts you ask for. General thoughts. Moving to L.A., Moving from L.A. to New York for graduate school isn't trailblazing. Um, Don't kill me, but it's not. I just want you to know that the things that you're doing are not. I love you. I want to hug you. I'm I'm super proud of you, but I don't want you to overvalue the stuff that you're doing because it's very easy to do that. Um, A lot of people do that. We tend to overinflate our self-worth. And not that you shouldn't. Um, be ambitious and not that you shouldn't be proud and not that you shouldn't, you know, give yourself a high five or kudos, but we want to make sure we manage. Um, we want to make sure we manage the stuff that we're doing, you know, moving from LA to, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere and creating a way out of no way is trailblazing, you know, going places never been gone before. Um, that's trailblazing. Um, that's, that's leading, that's um, all the things that you mentioned um, in the beginning, those sorts of things, trailblazer, you know, so on and so forth. Um, Other thing that I got from you, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, you can always write me, is that I feel like you are fine with people copying you or kicking it with you and doing, you know, the sameness you mentioned, as long as you're in charge and you get to dictate the things they can and cannot do that you like. Um, May 14th, Taurus. (laughs) So you're fine with it as long as you can control it. You know, you can tell them that, you know, we can, we can work at the same job. We can, you know, we can do this, we can do that, but you know, you're fine with that. But when I don't want you to do this, you can't do it. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Like you don't get to have, some, but I'm, but not all. You don't get to decide and determine, um, you know, pick and choose what you what your friends can and cannot do that you like because you know when they visited you, like I can tell you, there are a lot of people who ha- who have moved away who have friends that have not visited them. Period. That have not that have not spent a dime or any energy or effort coming to visit them. Um, and you said you're grateful, but, and like I said, but cancels anything. Are you, but cancels out whatever you said before it. So are you really grateful? Um, the only person that can stunt your growth is you. Are they moving in with you? Um, I'm cracking up because they may likely move there, get into the swing of things and not even be fooling with you. Like that's the thing about like when we overinflate ourselves and who we are and what we think we do and what we think we bring to the table. They might move to New York, get a dope job, get a boo. You know, I can't tell you how many people have moved to Atlanta that I know that I've not even seen. Like I'm not the queen of Atlanta. I don't own the city. Um, just because somebody moves to town and contacts me doesn't mean that I can get together with them. Um, 
Ad- Atlanta is humongous. So if you move here and you live 12 miles away from me in traffic, that's like an hour. I may never see you. So I just, I want you to really kind of like, I need you. I, I, I need, I'm trying to pull you in. I want to, I want to pull you in a little bit. Um, I was just thinking, I haven't even seen my next door neighbors in weeks. Like it's not like New York city is humongous. Um, if they move there, if they move there, they're not going to stunt your growth. You may or may not see them. And like, I think that it's up to you to seek out some new friends. So my general thoughts are that instead of spending this amount of time and energy focused on your one particular friend group, you need to start working on multiple friend groups. And that's something that I recognize in a lot of young people is that they get one friend group and they that's their friend group. That's their exclusive friend group for life. And I'm not saying that there's nothing, anything wrong with it, but I've never been one of those. I belong to one main friend group kind of girls. Like that's just not who I am. And, um, I had my college friend group that has since dissolved. You know, I I kicked it with one of my old college friends. Um, probably this year we met up, but it used to be like, there was like maybe three of us or four of us that used to run around together and, one girl said that she didn't want to be friends with me because I guess she got like super religious and I wasn't. So she dipped. I was like, cool, bet. Like, and then she came back around and sent me a GoFundMe link, which was just like, okay, girl. Okay. But you know, friendships, they dissolve along the way. Um, my childhood friend group, which just over time dissolved into just like one close friendship. Um, the rest are pretty much non-existent. Um, not by any, you know, I think things just people evolve and things, if things are not evolving together, people eventually dissolve or fade away and it's not a super big deal. But I imagine because you're young and you're going to graduate school, these friends that you have, um, they are taking, they take up a lot of space in your life because you haven't made, you haven't worked on another friend group, but you will, if you're in New York, you might have your grad school friend group. If you get a job, you'll have that friend group. If you go to church or something else or an activity, you'll have that friend group. Um, I have my right after college LA work friend group, which is contains more women. And I wouldn't say any of those have like dissolved, but they have evolved. So I still have that friend group. I got my old neighborhood friends, Felicia and Dana from when I used to live in Mableton. I got my new Atlanta friend group. Um, I got my friends that moved to Atlanta friend group, my new neighbor group, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you just have to, you, you're young. So you're going to grow into some new friend groups, but I just, what I really like my thing for you is, is that I want you to not overvalue the stuff that you're doing, right? Like I'm a leader, I'm a trailblazer, I'm an overachiever, I'm super competitive. Sure. Yes. I'm all those things too, but so what, you know what I mean? Like somebody trailblazed, overachieved, competed more than you. And, um, if I had to recommend a book to you, I'm reading this book right now. And if you can pick it up, it's called ego is the enemy. Um, and I think that that will help you, um, manage a little bit, you know, some of this because it's not that serious and they probably will move. 
they may not even move to New York, and if they move to New York, they may not even be friends with you, which is kind of how life happens. Um, next question. Hi, my leak. Love your podcast and all that you do. Thank you. Your honesty and unapologetic brilliance is a highlight of my morning routine. Um, I've never heard anybody say that, but thank you. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, my question is about holding the hustle while dealing with personal trauma. I've been diagnosed with PTSD from a number of past experiences. And while I'm working, while I'm going to therapy and addressing a lot of the issues tied up with it, I feel like my work is suffering. I have always been the person to work long hours and push for perfection, but I'm finding myself so exhausted and drained from all of the emotional work I'm doing that I feel like I can't give my work the same energy anymore. I love my career and I've worked so hard to get here. So I'm afraid that this deep personal work will hinder me from doing what I love. Um, but I can't pretend that the trauma PTSD doesn't impact me and not deal with it either. I'm in academia and it's an atmosphere that doesn't support mental health or physical health. Ha. Many of my colleagues have that special work always or die trying mentality. So I feel guilty for even taking time off on weekends to recuperate from therapy. Does it get easier? What advice do you have for those of us who are showing up for therapy and work, but find the two are constantly battling for attention and energy? So, um, for those of you that don't know what PTSD is, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I was also diagnosed with a mild form of PTSD. Um, I'm looking it up now just so I can give you a formal definition before I get into the answer, because I know if you are like, what is this? It's helpful to know. Um, Post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD is a serious, potentially debilitating condition that can occur in people who have experienced or witnessed a natural disaster, serious accident, terrorist accident, sudden death of a loved one, war, violent personal assault such as rape or other life-threatening events. Research has recently shown that PTSD among military personnel may be a physical brain injury, specifically of damaged tissue caused by blast during combat. Um, most people who experience such events recover from them, but people with PTSD continue to be se severely depressed and anxious for months or even years following the event. So, um, that is what PTSD is. I, my therapist says, believed that I had just a mild form. So that's what that is. So giving you a hug from my kitchen in Atlanta the way so I read your question and what stuck out to me was that beyond all of the stuff that you were saying you said I feel like my work is suffering and I work for long hours and I got I push for perfection so my first thought is that um you've set some ridiculously high standards for yourself as a perfectionist right um Let's get into a little bit of background on perfectionists. Um, I want to give you a little bit of the research that I have and then from there take you to my, my answer. It says, at worst, perfectionists believe they should be perfect. No hesitations, deviations, or inconsistencies. 
They are super sensitive to imperfection, failing and weakness. And then I underlined this. They believe their acceptance and lovability is a function of never making mistakes. And they don't know the meaning of good enough for them. It's always all or nothing. Um, Psychologists see perfectionism almost always as a handicap. They see perfectionists as vulnerable to distress, often haunted by a chronic sense of failure and decisiveness and its close companion procrastination and shame. The clinical take on perfectionism is that it can and does involve setting excessively high personal standards and stringently evaluating one's behavior in light of them. So that is the thing that I have like I highlighted that um, I'm going to read it again, finish this graph and then get to my answer. But it can and does involve setting excessively high personal standards and stringently evaluating one's behavior in light of them, which is what I got in your question when you were talking about your colleagues and their, you know, get rich or die trying thing, you know, joke, joke. Uh, it can also mean imposing one's standards on others and having equally high often quite unrealistic expectations of them. Perfectionists often believe that powerful others, bosses, parents, spouses, expect one to be perfect in all ways. Um, They are harsh, punitive, unforgiving judges. Perfectionists are rigid. So you set this ridiculously high standard for yourself and your perceived powerful others at this point are your colleagues. you think that you aren't able to do both. You aren't able to recover from the therapy and be, you know, boss chick in your work. Um, is your work suffering? I'd go out on a limb and say no. It's not suffering. Um, is it different? Absolutely. You know, because you're different. That's the thing about personal work, the personal emotional work of the therapy is that you can no longer bury yourself so deeply in your work that you don't have to deal with you, right? So that was the, I'm certain I've shared this, but the very first time I ever cried, like those hot, (laughs) wet tears in therapy was when um, my therapist kind of can't, you know, introduce me to the idea of overfunctioning, and, you know, overworking and overfunctioning, and how I had gone years and I'm talking about from like the time I was like five or six years old and I'm 37, like I had gone years working to not have to deal with issues and mainly because when you're five or six you don't know how to deal with issues right so I was I had told her how I would do you know back when you I don't know if kids take their books home anymore but I used to do my homework for like the year you know I would I was doing my work I was doing other people's work I would my mom would buy me worksheets and workbooks you know advanced grades and I would just work. And I think that over time, I thought that that was who I was. You know, I'm just about my business. I hustle, I grind, I work. You know what I mean? I still say that to this day. 
But I really thought that who I was and when she introduced me to the idea that it was basically a cover up, although very, like she said, although very um, rewarding, you know, you have, it has had its benefits, but it was a cover up for not dealing with my stuff, you know? Um, fortunately, the habits are already set, you know, those overworking habits are set. So those habits are hard to break. Um, but by doing the work on yourself, you'll likely find greater purpose. Um, your work is destined to change. Like your work is changing. It's not suffering. It's changing. Um, it doesn't mean that you won't continue to excel in the world of academia, but you're going to have a fuller life. And that's the beauty of doing the personal work, right? Is that it's difficult at times. Um, it's, you know, it's painful to feel change is tough, but this, this thought came to me when I was answering your question. I said, maybe something in your life that really has been suffering, you know, relationships, personal, um, familial, maybe something in your life that, that is really suffering will get better because not only does it have your attention now, it has your impeccable ability to work on it. You know, like imagine that, imagine you with all your bossness and badassery working on the stuff in your life that really is suffering. Um, this life is going to get so good for you. And I'm so, I'm so excited for you. Like I'm getting chills just thinking about that. And so I hope that my answer um, helped you put into perspective, you know, what it is that you're really doing um, and what's really not suffering. Thanks for writing me because that was good. Okay, I've got two more questions. Wow, two more questions and I'm at the 40 minute mark. All right. <laughs> my Lee. Or hey, my. Cool. I draw a lot of inspiration from your journey and the different transitions transitions you have gone through. So this is my question. How have you handled? Oh, this is my last question. My bad. I'm sorry. I guess all my answers were a ton. I thought I had one more. Um, This is my question. And I'm going to answer these questions as I go because I wrote out the answers. Um, she had a, a lot of really good small questions. How have you handled going from struggling to middle class to more affluent? Uh, my answer, making more money for me was harder. Like, so if you go from one to the other to the other, I felt like from struggling to, I guess you can say middle class. I don't even really know what middle class is, but go to go from struggling to not struggling wasn't difficult at all. To go from um, not struggling to more affluent was harder for me. Um, there's just a lot more stuff that goes along with that. So what is the stuff? Um, more attention to taxes. So before, all I would do was get, what is it, a W-2, Get your you get your taxes, you turn those in, you, get, you flip a check, you get a little check after, you turn up a little bit, like, that was great. Um, doesn't really work that way when you have more going on you have to like pay somebody <laughs> to make sure you're giving uncle sam the right amount um 
there's just there's more there's more bills so it's not just paying the taxes it's then paying somebody to do them and then there's all these other things within that that you pay so it's like you know now you've got to make sure that you've got your 401k because if you're doing taxes you want to make sure that you are putting money in different places you have to pay those people to do that um there's wealth management there's this there's that um there's more deadlines you know it's like okay this has to be here by that time, this time, that time. Um, there's more applications. I, I've never filled out more applications for stuff in my life, ever. Um, more accounts. Like, I got like so many accounts and logins. Like, oh my God. Um, there's more people thinking that having money makes you happy, right? So from the outside looking in, Everybody thinks that if you have more, you must be happy. So not having anyone really there to understand that it doesn't um, is tough. So that was the hard side, the upside, because there there is an upside. And I don't always want to be the girl that's like, woe is me, it's so hard. You know, my life is so much better and it's so hard. That's not, I don't want to do that. So upside, more freedom. I have so much more freedom in my life. Um, if anything for the most part happens, um, I know that I can cover it. I go outside, all my tires are flat, I can cover it. I go outside, my car is stolen, I can Uber to wherever the heck I need to go. I can contact the insurance, I got nice insurance, I know I'm getting another car. At the end of the day, I'm not worried. Um, flight canceled, I'll book another one. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my flight is canceled. Like, I remember a couple years ago, I was in New York and you know, New York is just expensive. New York's a grip. I'm in New York and like, I would say three or four hours before my flight was supposed to take off, uh, my flight gets canceled. Like no flights are going out tonight. I think it was just like a terrible, terrible storm and no flights are going out tonight. And it's like, oh, well, and I'm just like, if I, there was a time when that would have messed me up. Like there was a time when I could not afford to get another room in New York for the night. Cause you know, booking another room on a whim on a night in New York is like, I'm just going to say on the low end about $400, right? Like, so that happened. And I remember just being like, whatever like it's cool like I'm not even tripping you know before I'd be stressed out am I sitting in the airport all night and I'm just like I just call downstairs I'm gonna need the room for one more night it's whatever um feel like going to Paris I felt like going I went to Paris did I go how many times I go to Paris I've been to Paris three times um and there's a whole study about people's I think it's a podcast about people's um there's like some kind of people's obsession with Paris, but I just happened to land, you know, I wanted to go and then I went, I wanted to go again on my own. So if I want to go to Paris, I can go. Um, I don't need to go again though. Um, things come in that would devastate me before, but now I'm just like, okay, how much is it? It's fine. You know, unless it's crazy. I'm not like, like yesterday I was out shopping with the girls that are um, doing the interiors with me and, I'm just like, that's not, that's not a $9,000 rug. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cool, but that's not $9,000. Like there are things that I can look at and be like, I see the value. That's not it. So, um, that's that. Uh, how have you been able to handle more success is the next question. Um, 
I have been able to handle more success with the very extensive help of my psychotherapist. Uh, just this week, we talked about me um, being able to deal with the fact that a lot of people listen to this podcast. I know you're sitting here like, is she serious? And I'm very serious. So I'm being honest with you because why do this if I'm not going to be that? Um, but I didn't start this podcast with any hopes to have over 2 million listeners like I didn't do it like I started it as a hobby you know um I thought that it was special information um I felt like it was special information because there was no person like me at the time doling out the kind of information and I was like well if I know I needed this I'm sure other people do too and if 20 people listen or somebody gets this dope, you know, um, so something that I've been working through is that, and this is where you take the deep dive. This is where y'all put your goggles on. This is where we put our wetsuits on is that, um, I'm trying to work through an understanding of how, when you've always wanted just one person in your life, doesn't matter who that person is, one person to tell you you're special or make you feel special and you ha and you don't get it um no matter how many people write you daily no matter how many people wait for you and fan out for you when you go speak um sometimes it can fall on deaf ears when you're just waiting for one person to say it right so um that's the process I'm currently working through so I always love when you guys ask me these questions because somebody gonna someone's gonna ask me this again next year and I pray to God I have a different answer, right? Um, next question. How did you form a squad? Um, I'll call it the magic of attraction, you know, and I'm guessing like squad is just like the people who you're down with, the squad of attraction. Um, I vibrate higher when I'm around the people I spend time with. So it's not always about getting more information or taking notes while we're together but in some way or another these people make me better sometimes I'm on the side of helping them more and other times they're helping me whether they know it or not um, it's an exchange that isn't always even but it's always good you know and so that's how um, I think I have formed a squad like there are people that I have met along the way that are just super cool maybe it's just sometimes i just thrive off other people's energy and ambition um so i think that's how i formed it the magic of attraction next question what boundaries do you have in place um in friendships and romantic relationships to make sure people aren't with or around you for where you are now um answer the thing about going to the next level is that once you go to the next level, you tend to meet people who are on your level who aren't really impressed with the things you're doing, right? So as your life hits that next level, and I think I've shared this before, but I'll break it down again. As you go to the next level, like your circles just inevitably, ch inevitably change, right? So if you go from um, driving or taking the train or taking the mega bus to flying, f flying coach, flying first class, like the levels that you go up, the different people that you meet, like the person that you meet, um, on the mega bus may or may not 
be different than the person that you meet when you're flying first class. So it's like the circles start to change. The people, the people you meet start to change. And so your collisions, meaning the people that you collide with are just different. So the people that you meet, um, at the hotel bar, when you're staying at one place are going to be different than the people that you meet at the hotel bar when you're going to this place. So you get what I'm saying? So, um, as you, as you start to hit another level, you're going to meet, you're always going to, there's always like, I talked about that upper place. Um, I have a lot of good friends that have way more money and stuff than I do. Right. Like way, way more. And I mean, I wrote in my notes, my next door neighbors, my next door neighbors downsized, (laughs) they downsized into the house next door to me. Right. This is like, this is my whole entire life upgrade in in a home and they downsized to this um from a mansion and so I'm one of the few people in my neighborhood that only has one home so sometimes when I get together with the neighbors the neighbors are like oh we're going to our beach our beach condo beach house um going to our house in the mountains and I'm like honey I'm here (laughs) this is my this is my beach house this is my mountain home this is the only home I have. And so um, it's just remembering that you're not at the highest level. Like there's always a level higher unless you're like Oprah and the billionaire gang, but there's always a level higher. So I said all that to say, I'm not doing that much. <laughs> um, what kind of guilt do you carry that has surprised you about your journey And, you know, I first typed out this answer and I'm like, none, you know, and then I was like, let me delete that because that would be BS. That's how I want to feel. That's not what's true. Um, The guilt that I carry, um, there is a guilt around the people you may feel you've left behind, right? So... The guilt that I carry, I wouldn't say that it's it that it surprises me, but it hasn't left me. Um, does it consume me? No, but it is it is up there with some of my greatest personal work is that um, ideally I'd want everyone to live like me and be on be on, you know, the the side of the of things like to not have that worry and to kind of like live fabulously and, you know, to, to take the stress away from all these people and to have them have the things that you have. Um, but the other side of it is that I'd have to pay for it, right? This guilt that I'm carrying of what I want people to have, or the people you feel like you left behind or the people who are around you that are behind, or you feel that they're behind, they're not, but it is a feeling, um, is that, um, you have to pay for it. Like it is a, there is a cost associated with this guilt and I've paid it, um, multiple times. And it simply, is just not a good feeling because people don't respect the things that they don't earn period. Like, and I wrote, don't debate me on this. I don't care. They don't. It's like, if they don't earn it themselves, there is just a level of res- there's just a level of respect they don't have for it and it, does it mean like if you go out and you buy you know does it it doesn't mean if you go out and you buy your mom a house will she not respect it sure she'll respect it but 
I don't, I, I promise you, like there's going to be something done with the house that's going to make you feel disrespected because you paid the cost for this guilt, right? So you might get the house and maybe you visit and it's a little messy one day and you feel in some type of way because you just like see this is what I'm saying people don't respect the things they don't earn because if they have bought this themselves they would not have these floors torn up like this they would not do this they would not do that so I I have I have stopped but the guilt still lingers that's that um next question will curl box always be quote unquote it for you or do you want to do other ventures? Um, I think it's inevitable that I'll have other ventures simply based on my personality. Um, what are those things? I have no idea. Um, I'm naturally very curious. Um, when something gets in my spirit and into my gut, I do it. Uh, this podcast went from 20 million, 20 listeners to 2 million. And I have a venture that I wasn't even trying to create. You know what I mean? It's like now I have the sponsored podcast and the ads and stuff. Um, but, you know, I think that like some people think that quote unquote business ventures are things that you chart out and you plan for. And sometimes they are like several questions ago, sort of like nature and flow. Um, you just flow like the river. You know what I mean? Something gets into you you move like oh my god I need to do this oh my god yeah I, I want to work on that oh what does she have oh yeah I really want to be a part of that and that's really what happens but if curlbox was it for me and I never did anything else how blessed am I right like my dad tells me this all the time he just says if you never do anything else after Curlbox like if you don't if you decide to not do a single thing like you have done it like I am proud like I don't ever want you to feel like you you need to have this pressure to do more or get bigger or anything like that like wow like if you quit today you have blown my mind for the rest of my life right and so I think that I'm very conscious about that and I there's this like I don't need to do anything else right I don't need to do anything else um I will always do the things that are on my heart whether they become big and people find out about them is of no consequence to me I do other things that you may not even know about you know I I do other things and I've done other things you just don't know about them because they're not people don't care <laughs> which is fine with me um but to be able to try something watch it become something um to be able to be validated publicly because I always say it's nice um to be able to be validated publicly publicly and respect it for my ability um and if we go back a couple questions when I told you when that's really kind of all I've ever wanted um it's very nice so that's it for me you guys look at me popping out with almost a whole hour on this podcast I am going on vacation I am taking a break thank you so much um for supporting me riding with me 
um, coming out and seeing me, getting my journals, um, telling your friends about me. I, when I first started uh, a couple years ago, people would always be like, oh my God, yes, I told my friend about Curlbox. I told my friend about Curlbox. But now everybody's like, I tell everybody about your podcast, um, which is cool. It's very cool. Thank you. You guys have a good one. Bye.